for sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. I'm Peter. And I'm Jay. Okay, folks, um, this is, uh, it's a little tough to, uh, you know, wake up and start a podcast knowing that you have to talk about uh, uh, a loss. Um, this isn't just a, you know, yes, Pete and I are, you know, we're all Red Wing fans and stuff, but we are we are students of hockey and um it really sucks to wake up to the news that uh, Dave Strader uh, has passed away um, for a few well, lost his battle with bile duct cancer. Um, it's it's really tough to try and uh, obviously in the moment quantify how much this person means. Um, you know, so like first of all, the the Red Wings released a really nice statement. So uh, Pete, why don't you why don't you go ahead and read that for us? Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to read the whole thing because it's not very long, and I think they it's a really nice encapsulation. All right, so the Detroit Red Wings are saddened to learn of the passing of Dave Strader, who served as the team's television broadcaster from 1985 to 1996. Strader passed away on Sunday at the age of 62 after battling a form of bile duct cancer. Strader first served as a broadcaster for the Red Wings' American Hockey League affiliate in Adirondack from 1979 to 1985, before beginning his 11-year tenure as a uh, television broadcaster for Detroit. Alongside cro- uh, close friend Mickey Redman, Strader handled the play-by-play duties on WKBD and Pass Sports, the Red Wings' television broadcast partners prior to the launch of Fox Sports Detroit. Strader quickly rose through the ranks and began working national hockey broadcasts in 1996 for ESPN and later ABC and Fox. He also called games for the Florida Panthers from 2005 to 2007 and Arizona Coyotes from 2008 to 2011, before accepting a full-time job calling games nationally for the NBC Sports Group in 2011. The Glens Falls, New York native spent the last two seasons handling the play-by-play duties for the Dallas Stars, continuing to call games both locally and nationally following his cancer diagnosis in June 2016. In honor of over three decades of contribution to hockey as a broadcaster, it was announced in April that Strader was the recipient of the Foster Hewitt Memorial Award, and he will be honored on November 13th at the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto when his plaque goes on display. The loss of Dave will certainly be felt throughout the hockey community, said Red Wings Executive Vice President and General Manager Ken Holland. I have known Dave since my days as a goaltender with the Adirondack Red Wings and always considered him a great friend. He was one of the most iconic play-by-play announcers of his time and a true gentleman. He was a devoted husband and father, and his presence will be sorely missed in arenas throughout the league. The Red Wings organization would like to offer its sincerest condolences to Dave's wife, Colleen, his children, Christopher and Casey, and his three grandchildren, as well as the Dallas Stars, and all in the NHL hockey community who worked alongside him over the past 32 years. So that's the Red Wings statement. So, Jay, like, what are your, what are your memories of, of Dave Strader? Well, I, I, growing up in Chicago, I uh, started listening and watching hockey. So I, so I started with Pat Foley, and, and, I, and I, I really enjoyed his style so uh, right around 96, when uh, I, I 96, 97, when I moved to Detroit, uh, I uh, was just catching the tail end of, of, of Strader's 
run on the Red Wings, and at the time, I like I had already seen a bunch of the highlights of of the Wings winning back to back, and then uh, so his his voice is. I mean, that's that's what it, that's his that's his nickname. He's the voice. Like I I remember watching any of the '96 highlights. Because at the time he, because it was on, it was like ABC, but like he was still calling stuff for NHL International. So like, to have a local guy be able to call the Red Wings winning a Stanley Cup, I mean, it's like it's 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 completely <laughs> absurd. And and you actually like, you kind of don't get that anymore. You know, you, like the the he had a he had so many awesome uh, moments to be present for that his that his voice is is attached to and. Uh, so like in, in coming to Detroit, like I, I'd heard the talent of it, but I didn't get to hear it as much as everybody else. But you know, having, having a dad who works in, in sports broadcast and and he, he he actually knew Dave fairly well and directed him a bunch. Uh, just just some just he's all class, com- complete humility. I mean, I, I spoke to my my dad today, and he's like it's it's distraught, and and I, and I'm and I'm like. It's it's tough because like I met him, I've heard him call so many games, and uh, his 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 camaraderie with Mickey Redmond. I was I was watching a couple of videos today, and it it really it really breaks you up that you can't have Redmond and Strader at the Hall of Fame when he gets the Foster Hewitt because they both they both want it, they both have it, and they're going to be in the Hall of Fame forever now and so you know this it's it's tough it's emotional and um he's he's always going to be one of my top top guys I mean you know I, I like I I think the current best play caller is Jim Houston but the best um, uh, American play caller is is for me is Dave Strader and you know all all, all respect to Emmerich and 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 Kenny Daniels and and all the uh, all the other guys who call games but for me like Strader just he was he was in the zone all the time and and he actually was calling a very terrible Red Wings team for the longest time but he brought so much energy and enthusiasm and knowledge about the sport and 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 losing that experience losing that uh, presence is. It's already palpable, and you know it's because the season's about to start, and you're not going to have Dave. So, yeah. What about you? What about you, Petey? Yeah, I mean, you like I, I can't really top what you said. Uh, you know, growing up, I I I didn't grow up listening to Red Wings games. Um, you know, so my my classic announcers growing up were people like Jiggs McDonald, um, but at the same time, my you know, my my love for the Red Wings started by watching national games, you know, started by watching ESPN and all the national broadcasts. And so I was trying to think of like a like a call that I associated with him, you know, like a like a play call. And I realized that I couldn't. And it's not because he doesn't have iconic play calls. It's because there's so many of them, you know. And so he was easily one of the voices of my childhood, you know, along with, um, you know, in terms of. Uh, ubiquitousness the you know he's he's in in my mind with you know bill clement 
uh, Gary Thorne, you know, like those are the people you think of when you think of like, you know, ESPN hockey, you know, it's, it's playoffs, you know, you're going to watch two games and hope that one of them goes 18 overtime so you can stay up, you know, and, you know, Dave Strader is, is, is right in that group for me of, you know, iconic hockey voices from my childhood. And so, um, we were getting ready to record this episode, and I think maybe about an hour before we started, I saw this news, and you know, I was, you know, I'm still looking forward to recording the, re- the rest of this episode, but at the same time, you know, it just made me sad. Um, the, you know, just losing somebody before his time because of cancer. When we've seen this happen so often, um, you know, I have. I have some friends who are going through it and some, I guess, acquaintances maybe where like a family member is going through it, you know, and it's something, it's something that touches all of us. And, you know, I, I would say, you know, tomorrow the hockey world will be, you know, just a little bit less than it was today because of the passing of Dave Strader. So rest in peace, Dave. You brought joy to many people for a long time. And the only, the only thing we regret is that it couldn't have been to more people for more years. Okay, so for our next segment, we have a we have a bit of follow up. So, last episode, which of course, if you haven't listened to, you should definitely go back and, and pull that up. But last episode, one of the things that we talked about was the NHL's Declaration of Principles, and if you remember, my criticism of the principles was that I was tired of seeing talk and no action. And it didn't take very long for this to come up and for me to be proven in, right, in my opinion. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what's been going on in sports, specific, uh, sports in general, but also in the NHL specifically. All right. So um, Jay and I were, were thinking, you know, is this something we want to talk about? Um, and we both decided that basically, I mean, this is, this is a national topic of conversation. We'd basically be cowardly if we tried to avoid talking about it. And so we are going to do that. All right. So, um, the situation that I'm, I'm referring to is, of course, the national anthem protest, uh, and then tying into hockey with the, uh, the Penguins going to the White House. So first, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the National Anthem protest. So basically, I wanted to kind of run down a timeline because this is one of those things where I think social media has made it difficult to have conversations because everybody is just either retweeting or reposting or sharing, you know, uh, like an image that somebody else said or whatever. And so... Anyway, in, in order to like kind of explain the way I look at it, I have to I have to go through a series of points. So I'm going to do that, and then we're going to talk about it. And you know, Jay can pick up if I left out anything. So this situation started last year in the NFL with Colin Kaepernick, who decided that he was going to sit down during the national anthem as a protest against the the uh, epidemic of uh, black children and black people being treated differently by society, but also by law enforcement, you know, a series of events of where, where people were killed and the, the police officers who killed them were either not charged or were acquitted. And so he decided to sit down in, uh, to raise awareness for this issue. Um, a little bit after, you know, basically he did this for at least one game, I think maybe even more during the preseason and nobody really noticed. And then eventually somebody noticed and they asked him and he said what he was doing and a, a Green Beret, who is also a former long snapper in the NFL, reached out to him and said he wanted to talk to him about the way that he was protesting, and Kaepernick did. Um, and he also talked to a, a, a teammate, Eric Reed, and 
after this conversation with the Green Beret, he decided that rather than sitting, he was going to kneel. And there's a New York Times article that you can read with, uh, with quotes from Eric Reed, where he says that the reason they kneeled was basically the symbolism is it turns their bodies into a flag at half mast. Um, and a, a, a lot of people, especially recently, this, like this past weekend, there was a, you know, a lot of people were focusing on the NFL. What were they going to, you know, what were the players going to do? Um, there was uh, additional uh, publicity made to this issue by the president. And, and, and so, so everybody was wondering, what are the players going to do? And it was a, you know, some players kneeled, some players stood, some players locked arms, some teams stayed in the locker room. And what happened, which is honestly the one thing that bugs me, in my personal opinion, the one thing that bugged me is that it got turned into that these players are protesting the flag or the anthem or the military or something like that. And, you know, if you go back and you look at the statements by the players, you know, from the beginning, that's not what it was. It was meant to raise awareness for this issue. And Kaepernick and Reed, you know, specifically were talking to the Green Beret about, you know, how to make sure that they were not disrespecting the military, the, you know, the, the flag, etc. Um, one of the things that I found interesting is, you know, people were saying that, you know, this is disrespecting the flag, etc. You know, how dare you do that? And... Um, th there was a there was an issue where I forget what team it was, but some people were kneeling and fans in the crowd were yelling at these players to stand up. And so I was trying to think about you know what what is in their mind. And so basically these fans thought that disrespecting the anthem, if you will, by shouting during it was more important because of a point they wanted to make. And it struck me as ironic that that's exactly what the players who were protesting were saying, um, you know, that they needed to they needed to draw awareness to this. And if people felt that they were disrespecting the flag, then it was it was worth it. Like I said, again, if you go back again and again and again, you will see that these players did not set out to do that. Um, and like I said, for me, and, and the last thing I wanted to say just really quickly before um, before I turn it over to Jay and, and, and my filibuster, if you will, of this uh, this topic is <laughs> I I'm I'm a six year Navy veteran. I was in Iraq and Af I mean, I wasn't there, but I, you know, I was I was there, but I wasn't like in combat. You know, I'm a, a veteran of, of the Iraq war, the Afghanistan war. And to be clear, I don't really feel that that makes my opinion more valid than other people. But I just. I'm, I'm tired of seeing people use veterans as like a cudgel, you know, to support their view. You know, just like everybody else, we are we are a broad range of people. We have a broad range of opinions. Some veterans support the Kaepernick protests and the, 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 the movements that started. Some people oppose it, and that's fine. You know, it's just like... Any other job, some people are great and some people are not. Like I, so I've always felt that the uniform that you wear doesn't make you a hero or a not a hero or whatever. It's the actions that you do. It's, it's how you live your life. You know, I've served in the Navy with some people who I would call heroes and some people who were horrible human beings. And the fact that they wore a uniform doesn't make them better human beings. Um, and... You know, so so just I'm just saying, just as a veteran, that really bothers me. Like that's the one huge thing that I think bothers me. There's another part of this that bothers me, and I'm going to get back to it. But I want to I want to let Jay talk. I don't want to talk for this whole segment. So Jay, what do you think? Sorry. 
Uh, no, don't, don't apologize. This is a, a just and right conversation that needs to be had, and everybody needs to uh, to talk about it because we aren't we aren't talking about whether or not people like sprinkles on their ice cream, Pete. We're not talking about whether or not somebody prefers Return of the Jedi to, to Empire Strikes Back. We're talking about those people are wrong, by the way. Th- th- they are. They are completely wrong. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're talking about human rights and, and the pursuit of happiness and uh, what it means to be an American citizen, respecting those people, and, uh, and, and it's – I mean, we can have a completely separate discussion about how, uh, you know, why is it that we no longer protest the war itself, you know, like now it's all just about, hey, support the troops, right? Like, wait a minute, we, we completely missed the step. <laughs> it's like, okay, so instead of – now arguing whether or not we should actually go into these things. Now we're back to arguing whether or not we should support the troops or not. It, it gets lost really quick, and it's really dumb. But to, to specifically address this issue, um, there's a lot of flippant and uh, cavalier language being thrown about uh, in terms of what the protest was about. Pete, you pretty much laid it out very succinctly, and I'll say it again because sometimes people don't like to listen. This was never and is never about protesting the American flag. It's not about protesting the, the Star Spangled Banner. It's not about that at all. And you know how I know? Because the guys who are doing it say so. <laughs> so uh, yeah. especially when you laid out the timeline perfectly of they spoke to a guy and they came up with a reasonable, and, I, and again, I, I'm still struggling at what level of IQ you need to be at to not understand that, Hey, you know, what they're doing is probably the most non-threatening, most thought-provoking and, 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 and straightforward way to try and bring issue to something. You know, I've seen so many people say, oh, you know, you, you can't protest the flag, you can't protest the anthem. Like, well, I mean, like, you, you, you shouldn't. I mean, you know, in the, like, yeah, we can agree on that. Like, it'd be nice if you didn't have to, but we have to now. Because we're not, we're, we're not. Uh, you have to protest in a way that can raise awareness, and the message has been clear uh, from the players themselves. But I think that there's a tinge of people who who kind of think that they're being found out. I think there's a, yeah. a, a large contingent of people who are completely content with uh, football and sports being a a uh, non. Uh, human place. It's just entertainment. Just let me watch my shows. Let me watch my stories. Let me watch that stuff. And I think for a time, maybe our country, our planet could be at a place where you could maybe make that argument, right? Mm. Like you could maybe be like, listen, I had a long week. We just got done doing the drywall up there at that Mm. new McDonald's. I would just Mm. like to relax. Well, Mm. That there's another word for that. It's called, it's called privilege, <laughs> mm. and uh, not a lot of people have that. Not a lot of people can just turn off for a Sunday. Not a lot of people can just put aside the uh, deep and uh, vulgar history of the treatment of uh, people of color in this country. So mm. you know, it, it 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 smacks of ignorance and and stupidity to just mm. look at this and try and be like, well, you know. It's you know, gosh, I really wish they didn't do that. You know, first of all, protest isn't about comfort, and protest is not about being. No, exactly. It's absolutely. It's not not supposed to neatly fit into the oppressor schedule. I think. I think Mm. with with regards to what 
the the league has done so far, and, and you know, like in some places, it's two steps forward, one step back, one step forward, two steps back, and I, I think it. It's, we are talking about it. It's a conversation that should be mm. talked about more. I mean, it's not like we've never had the conversation. Like, I would just like to think that this is probably one of the most necessary signal boosts for something in in quite a long time. And uh, you know, this it, it, we would be naive to think it went away for a while and then came back. No, no, no. It's just it, mm. it was it was it was it was shameful enough for people to be quiet but you know they've been enabled by certain groups of people to suddenly spread their their bs again so um w- with regards to how hockey fits into all this um it, it's 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 really tough to see the 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 penguins and um and some other hockey luminaries um uh being I mean, Pete, this is a this is a foregone conclusion. The, the NHL is was is mostly conservative with a capital C, right? So there's 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 not a lot of rock the boatness. Uh, it is very white, very very white, and there's uh, there's an inherent problem with uh, that because uh, you, you have so many people. Who care about these teams and care about what this league does, and it, and it is is a good sport. But this is uh, this is really tough because I am not particularly proud to be a hockey fan right now. To see the indifference and uh, uh, I don't know, geez, it's like there's just too many words. It's it's just really <laughs> tough to see the coach of a major league hockey team basically say. I don't have to do this because it's not my problem. And you also have a captain who uses language, you know, again, at the end of the day, like we can take them at their word. We cannot take them at their word. But again, actions, as you said, Pete, speak louder than words. And right now the actions of the Penguins are, this is not a problem for us. So we're not going to get involved. And uh, I think that, we as a society need to be a little more uh, of a of a of a different c word, and that's called mm-hmm. compassionate. And yeah, and, and, uh, and yeah, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, like last week when we talked about the Declaration of, of of Principles by the NHL, you know, the word that I said was empathetic. You know, um, and. You know, we we don't want to spend this whole episode talking about this, but at the same time, you know, like I said, we thought that it was worth talking about. And if you haven't already, I really encourage our listeners to go out and uh, search out articles. I forget exactly what uh, you know what newspaper this is in, but you know, uh, Joel Ward was asked, you know, what he thought about. And if you read it, I mean, if you have a heart, you know, and you read this, it's. And you and you're willing to take him at his word. It's incredibly sad, you know, because he reached out to players on other teams because he felt that the other players on his team could not understand where he was coming from. And it's not that they're necessarily bad people. In fact, many of these people are, you know, many of these people are probably not bad people in this way. But it's the ability to kind of understand that other people's lives are different than yours, you know, and the fact that, you know, the the fact that me as a white middle-class man, if I'm pulled over by the police, I have a certain lens through which I view that experience. And from talking to my friends from different backgrounds, 
you know, I mean, I would have to believe that all of them are lying in order for me to believe that other people who aren't like me don't have different experiences, you know, and it's, it's, it's hard for people to, 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 to believe that, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, we see the world through our, through our lens. Um, David Foster Wallace has this, this tremendous graduation speech that I really, again, I, I, I suggest everybody search out because it's not about this issue, but it's about empathy. It's about being able to see the world through other people's eyes. And he makes this point that I think is both, incredible but also like something that we are blind to is that every single moment of our life is experienced with us at the exact center everything that happens to us happens in front of us or to the right of us or in back of us and we only hear what is happening you know in through the lens of what our ears are capable of hearing and so it's no surprise that we as humans are self-centered and I include myself in that like I'm not trying to talk down to other people like we all are and you know so if you read those interviews you read the interview with Joel Ward and you hear him say that basically like he can't he feels he can't speak to his teammates about this because they don't understand um, it, it makes me really sad and the other thing just before we close this um, and I, Jay I'll give you you know I'll sure. give you obviously a chance to wrap this up but one thing I definitely wanted to make sure that, that I mentioned um, is there's an article in the Chicago Sun-Times with, a, with an interview from Jonathan Taves, which is basically like the last person I expected to have a view like this, and I'm, I'm, I'm obviously very glad that he did. And, you know, so here we have an NHL captain, you know, a multiple Stanley Cup winner, and here's the, the big quote that he has, which is, the, and this is, again, this is a direct quote from Jonathan Taves in the interview. The conversation has to get past this whole anthem thing and get to where it needs to go. If there's actually a difference being made in the end and what changes are actually taking place, that's what I'm more interested in rather than constantly hearing people talk about, oh, is he standing or oh, is he sitting? The point's been made long ago. Let's move on to actually doing something that makes a difference. And I think this is a huge step forward because whether it's fair or not, the people that are asked about this are Joel Ward and Josh Hosang and JT Brown and Dustin Bufflin. And it's not fair. It's not fair that they have to be the ones that bear this burden. They have teammates, they have friends, they have captains, they have people that are supposedly leaders. They're leaders in the, on their team, and they're leaders in this league. And it's up to them to do what's right, even if it's uncomfortable, and even if it loses them followers and fans, and if they're booed, because at the end of the day, they have to do what's right, and they know what's right. And so... Like I said, I, I can't really believe I'm saying this, but I am incredibly proud of Jonathan Taves because he's 100% right. Like, this is not about the anthem. That's what we said before. It's about this conversation of this problem that is clear to anybody who pays attention, clear to anybody who decides to look into the issue with an open mind. And it's so clear that this is an issue and this is something we need to fix. And so... I mean, I'm really glad that he said this because it's like it's not fair that like Joel Ward has to decide if he's going to kneel and get booed by 15,000 people. That's not fair. That's not fair. And so if we can get to a point where as a society we can have this conversation 
as uncomfortable as it is, because that's why we don't do it. We don't do it because it's uncomfortable and it makes us feel bad. You know, um, it's, 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 a, it's a hard conversation to have. But like I said before, that's what, you know, Jay and I decided that even though, you know, it's uncomfortable to talk about, like we kind of need to. And if we're going to say that these people need to talk about this, if we're going to say that, you know, um, either the athletes or the people in power need to have this conversation, then we'd be hypocrites if we, we ignored it ourselves. That's what I think. We'll leave you all with this, and we and again, we kind of said this exact same thing in the last episode. What should have been the first principle of hockey is the eighth principle. And uh, let, let me just re-acquaint re, uh, you all with it. Um, all hockey programs should provide a safe, positive, and inclusive environment for players and families, regardless of race, color, religion, national origin, gender, age, disability, sexual orientation, and socioeconomic status. Simply put, hockey is for everyone. Uh, right now, you are not – NHL, you are not doing that. So uh, do, please do better, be better. I, I, I know you're out there, and, and, and it's probably tough. Right, you're you're in the spotlight. You are you are on a team of of, of uh, absurdly compensated people playing a kids game. You are in again one of the most unenviable and enviable positions uh, that we've currently made for this wonderful thing we like to call society. So being clear of conscience and 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 doing what's right is 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 such a no brainer. It just I, I struggled. To, to, to empathize with those who can't see that. So, um, you know, for, for those who are unclear, if you are going to be about making hockey for everyone, you have to do everything you can to make hockey for everyone. Otherwise, this is just another empty thing by another uh, non-compassionate and detached group of people. And what goes around comes around, kids. You know what? You know, you never know. The, the, the league could fold. You could lose followers. You could fold teams. I mean, I would not mind if the entire, uh, you know, league took a knee and, and then lost all of its credibility in the eyes of those who don't deserve it. Uh, I think that if, if to lose everything means you're, you're clear of heart, then, uh, again, we, we've all been raised on that notion. That is, and it's an American principle, and it's a, it's a human principle – and if you're worried about whether or not your sport is going to be liked because you know you stood up for the human rights of other people, then maybe you should step aside and let those who can stand up do so. Now, as we mentioned, the season is about to kick off, which means, folks, it's time to get your fantasy. All you losers out there, not that fantasy. Hockey fantasy, that's right. Uh, we're, Pete and I, we are, we are fantasy enthusiasts. We like to... We like to fantasy draft on the internet. We like to fantasy draft in our video games. So, being the somewhat self-proclaimed experts that we are, we have a couple of we well, we have some do's and don'ts because it's a little it's perilous out there. The road's a little bumpy. So, uh, you know, fantasy hockey in in the episodes that we've done so far, you know, we've been trying to get some you know boots on the ground perspective from from certain teams to give you some advice on some picks and stuff. But you know, there are some. There's some uh, uh, some ancillary, some ethereal do's and don't tips that we'd like to to, to pass on to you. So uh, my my first one is show up to your draft. 
To your draft. I have Ooh. not been a part of one draft where every person is present. I don't know what devil's uh, contracts they've made. I don't know what rabbit's foot they've rubbed. But for some reason, the people that don't show up always get awarded like the second or third pick. And uh, then because of the way the snake works, because I've seen people do snake drafts. I know there's different ways to do drafts, but I've been stuck with snake drafts for like the last three or four three or four years, and the person who doesn't show up always gets, like, number two or number three. So they're relatively able to pick really quick at the beginning there and just completely snag some some top-tier guys. So um, stop doing that. <laughs> uh, Pete, what about you? All right. My number one, and I will be honest that this is something that I had to learn the hard way. My number one, and and I believe I am going to owe JJ probably about five cents in royalties by saying this. Nobody cares about your fantasy hockey team, and um, I will say this because I I would always talk about this, and I I never realized how annoying this is to people who don't care about fantasy hockey. The 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 analogy I have is I used to. Um, before, like, so think about, like, think about when, when poker, you know, ESPN poker, World Shows of Poker, you know, think about when poker first became, like, popular. And go back about maybe two or three years. Like, that's when I started playing. And I'm not trying to say I'm cool. I'm not trying to say I'm a poker hipster. But, like, I played before, like, the general public got into it. Like, I kind of got into it. And there is nothing more annoying than somebody telling you their bad beat story. And you're like, yes, I've experienced that 15,000 times myself. <laughs> so like have fun. Like I love fantasy hockey. I'm in two leagues. I'm a commissioner in one. I'm an assistant commissioner in the other. I love fantasy hockey, but at the same time, realize that you care and that's great. And if you're talking to somebody else who really loves fantasy hockey, that's great. They'll probably care too. But if you're talking to anybody else, Nobody cares. All right, so your mailman, he just wants to put the letters in your mailbox and go about his day. He doesn't want to know that you were able to draft Connor McDavid in the third round because everybody you know is a moron. Okay, so that's my number two. So that's my number one. So, Jay, what's your number two? My number two is don't spend too much time on your name. I know we all like to be cute out there. All right. Uh, listen, I know everybody when they saw Honey Nut Chelios, their brain light just went completely nuclear and you wanted to come up with something as equal. And that's a noble pursuit, I will admit. But please don't don't like agonize over it. I mean, I've seen just as many people go out there and be like, Dave's team or like mm. the not wings, you know, like they're, <laughs> they're just kind of going drunk, but don't like try and do some sort of like deep dive into Oh, like, you know, listen, there's always going to be only one person who has claimed to, uh, Brooks likes Tootin in the stall. Okay. <laughs> there's only one of those. You can't. There's replicate. only one. There's only one line to the danger zone. I already took it too bad. See, Take a take a hint from Pete. It's clean. Yeah. It's simple. Go with it. Yeah. I myself have kind of struggled in this area, so that's why I want to spread the gospel of don't don't agonize it too much because don't forget, folks. And again, this is an NHL podcast, but I will say this: the Red Wings won the Stanley Cup while having the worst season slogan I think they've ever had. 
because they won the cup with the slogan, Fire on Ice. Oh. That's right, folks. <laughs> For a second, I thought it was going to be hot and ready. <laughs> oh, man. If that was this year's, I'd be, I'd be, I would have it tattooed to my chest forever. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you, you're, you know, not everything is in a name, but you know, if you if you come across something, stick with it, own it, love it. You got to judge Reinhold that stuff. So, you know, get get, get <laughs> separate yourself from the pack, but don't don't bury yourself in whatever Tower Gandalf did to try and figure <laughs> out what happened to the ring. Okay, Pete. All right, so my second one is do some preparation on your own. Do not trust the Yahoo or ESPN rankings because, I mean, this is obviously, you know, we are two people that spend a lot of time watching hockey, reading about hockey, listening to hockey podcasts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we I actually, I had my, I had my, drafts for one of my leagues last night and basically I'm, I'm in two leagues and, and 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 i realize i'm coming very close to the nobody cares about your fantasy hockey thing but like i'm in two leagues and one of them is a 20 dollar buy-in 10 teams you know it's just just kind of for fun and that was the draft that was last night the other draft that's drafting tonight is a league that's at least a hundred dollars buy-in every year. There's like 16 teams, so it's incredibly. Uh, I'm sorry, 14 teams. So it's really deep, and all the people like breathe hockey. Um, but even so, like last night, I I remember watching, and I was like, oh my god, you're drafting Mike Smith. And look at all the goalies that are available, you know. Um, so do a little bit of research. Go online, read some articles. You know, Pekka Rene. Everybody thinks he's the most amazing goalie. Look up, look up some stats before you draft him. Yes, he's on a good team. Yes, for a while he was elite, but he's not anymore. I'm sorry. So if you drafted him, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> look at some up-and-comers. Look at, um, and I don't want to get too geeky here, but Corsica is back. Corsica is back if you have not heard this. Go online. Look at some high-danger save percentage because every goalie can save the low-danger shot. You want the guy who can save the high-danger shot. And there's you know, there's some people who are going to go later in your draft than they should, and you should be ready to pounce on them. All right, so that's my number two. Jay, what's your number three? Well, uh, this is probably the toughest one I'd like to think for everybody. But – you have to be honest with yourself, and you have to make this decision. You have to let your team go. You cannot – don't try and recreate the Red Wings or the Blue Jackets or the oh, Panthers yeah. or yeah, the yeah, Rangers. Yeah. Do not try to just assemble all the favorite parts of your roster and then just try and round it out with better than the lesser players. It It, it never works. Uh, believe me, I've tried. It is kind of neat to think about it as like, a, ooh, a what-if scenario. Like, ooh, what if we, like, made the right moves and actually assembled <laughs> Yes. Well, that's the whole point of this. The idea is that you're not just taking the best of your stuff and then adding to it. You're taking the best of everybody's stuff. So you can make your own 12-headed Hydra beasts, you know, one cut off one head, two shell arise type thing. So obviously take a you could take a couple of players, but don't take – two or three forwards from your team, okay? Like, yes, especially if your team is the Red Wings 
or the Canucks, or somehow the Vegas Golden Knights. Right, like... Uh, if you're a hockey hipster, you right, like the I mean, Vegas it, Golden Knights before they were cool. <laughs> the, only, the only time that it made sense to try and do that was maybe with the Sedin twins, and you had the number one pick, and it was like the all-the-way reverse snake draft. Like, sure, go right ahead if you have the chance, draft both Sedins, but... You, you you just can't, and I know that's tough. I know you love your 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 Andrew Shaws, and I know you love your Bufflins and your Browns and your and your Burnses, but you gotta you gotta do what's best for the team. This is the one time you get to call the shots and actually not have any emotional attachment to the people that are on your team, because some some GMs are really good at that, some GMs are not. So you know if you actually want to be an NHL GM, fantasy hockey is the great place to teach you to have, you know, a, a, an amount of personal connection, but yeah. you still have to have priority and dedication for the team. Do it for the team. So absolutely, yeah. Please, please follow these instructions. They're they're. It's very simple. So uh, mm. again, if you yeah, if you sure. love it, let it go. Pete, I you. mean. I'm very fortunate that this year for my fantasy team, I have a handshake deal with Dan Cleary and Nick Cronwall, so I don't have to worry about drafting them. (laughs) All right. Anyway. Okay. So my third rule, I've tried to have my cake and eat it too, because I had a couple, a couple ideas left and I was, I think I was able to summarize them in one rule. All right. So my rule here is, or my do, I guess, is use the system against itself. Right, so I'm talking about the like I'm uh, I I only play on Yahoo. I don't play on ESPN. So when Jay was talking about Dustin Bufflin, it made me think of something. Back in the day, Dustin Bufflin was listed listed on Yahoo Hockey Fantasy as defense slash either left wing or right wing. I can't remember what forward spot he played. And so he was an incredible pick. Same thing with Brent Burns. Brent Burns was listed as a defense slash winger for a long time. And so you were able to take one of those players and basically fill a defense and forward spot with one pick. Um, Also, Look for you know look out for those center slash right wings you know center slash left wings uh, left wing slash right wing etc because especially in Yahoo like you're able to put those those people out there so if you have if you have like two really great centers and you have somebody else who's a center slash right wing when those two centers aren't playing you could put them in a center but if they're they're both playing you could put them in center slash you, you can put them in oh, sorry you can put him in as right wing which is huge for those those type of nights where you have to decide who you're going to play with. The other part of using the system against itself is realizing that some of the people who are uh who are playing like I said before, they haven't really done a lot of research. And so just because Yahoo is saying that this guy is the next player that you should take, you know, he's the best player available, that doesn't necessarily mean he's the best player available. So um for example, if you are in, like, one of the leagues, actually both of the leagues I'm in, we have keepers each year. So it's like a dynasty league. So we have either two or three regular keepers, so you can keep any player you want. And then we also have a slot for people on entry-level contracts. So if you're in a league like that, this year you take 
this year, right? Maybe he's not going to be the greatest this year. He's probably going to play for the Devils. Um, so he's probably going to do pretty well. He's done well in preseason. And, of course, that's not a guarantee of future performance. But at the same time, you know, him doing well in preseason is a pretty good, you know, it's a pretty good thing. So if you take him, look at the people he's playing with. Maybe he's playing with Taylor Hall, so you take Taylor Hall. Maybe you have McDavid. Maybe you might want to take one of these guys that's not really highly ranked, but the rumor is that he's going to be playing with Connor McDavid. Or you might want to think about taking somebody like Clefbaum, who's going to probably be playing a lot of the time with McDavid, especially on the power play. All right, so look out for line combinations. Look out for things like that because you can get players who are way below where they're supposed to be. You know, they're supposed to be drafted 82nd, and maybe they're worth taking a chance on them in the fourth round. You never know. Very true. Very true. The, the way that, the again, just to tack on what you're saying, look at those. If, if, if the draft is, is plentiful to you in terms of multi-talented players, go for it. I mean, the only, the only way to topple the system is to, is to take its legs out from underneath it. So that's very true, Pete. It's very true. So... Um, do you have any more? I, 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 I might have, I might have one that, that, that could serve the betterment of mankind. If, okay, if I have, if, if you'll allow me, but you, you, all right, you go first and then. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, you go. One of the tips I'm going to give is kind of in line with what we said before about like, um, planning. Okay. So back in the day, what I used to do is I used to do an Excel spreadsheet and I would have left, you know, by now people are already rolling their eyes. They're like, nerd. You know, so I used to use an Excel, an Excel spreadsheet, left wing, center, right wing, defense, goalie, etc. And so I would go through and I would look at all the players and I would like kind of have a ranking of, okay, like in the first round, you know, based on who I kept from last year, I really need to get a goalie because if I don't, then they're going to be gone. Or I really need to get a right winger because I have a center, I have a left wing, I have a defenseman, and I can get a goalie in the second round based on what everybody has. Um, so, you know, it's really worth spending your time ahead of time. And I do want to put in a brief plug uh, because we don't have ads yet. And I want to put in a brief plug for somebody that we talked about in the first episode of For Sure. In the first episode of For Sure, we talked about Dom LeCision. Remember that, Jay? He yes. wrote an article for the Hockey News. And by the mm-hmm. way, I, 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 I talked to him on Twitter. Uh, we've been in contact a little bit. And I talked to him, and, and, and I requested the actual pronunciation of his name, which is LeCision, um, because I wanted to, I wanted to get it right. And the funny story about that, or a slightly humorous story, is that I showed Nikki, my wife, I showed her the the spelling of his name, and she got it right away. And he thought that that was hysterical. <laughs> but anyway, um, so so Dom Lachizen, if you follow him, he every year he he sells. Um, and when I say sells, like the the money goes to charity, right? So he puts together fantasy draft projections. So you can go on, you buy them. I think it's like $3 or 5 I think it was $3 last year, maybe it was $5 this year. And so, like I said, the money goes to charity. And so it's about 5 bucks. And then you put in, like, if you have keepers, you put it in. Um, there's instructions in there for how to set it up for your league. And so, basically, you can have a step up on people because you're not using the Yahoo or the, the ESPN projections. You're using somebody who has – put a lot of time into this and it's based on the categories that you use in your league, et cetera. So I wanted to put a quick plug in there. So Jay, before we wrap, wrap this up, what is your last one? 
Folks, when it comes to fantasy hockey, this is probably very tedious, but it's a very central part of the job. And maybe some of you already know this. Maybe some of you just don't have the commitment to continue to do it. But I'm here to tell you it gets easier. Get a rhythm going. I'm, of course, talking about set your damn roster. (laughs) Set your damn roster. Oh my shout God, it, totally shout it from the rooftops. Say it, say it in the morning, say it in the evening, say it at supper time. <laughs> Look at yourself in the mirror. Dig down deep. Commit to your team. Set your roster. Look at it every day. Don't just set it for the week and then just, and then just run away. You will hate yourself. Yeah. You will hate yourself so much. So unless, let, unless you are in weekly changes. Exactly. So, again, <laughs> at the end of the day, obviously take these tips and apply them as best you can to the way your league is set up because lots of people like to have fun out there. I, myself, am a big fan of uh, – I've, I've been trying to get people to, to do this for years, and no one is, is outlandish enough. But a, uh, a all-goalie uh, and left-wing league – uh, you, you can you can only draft goalies and left wingers and uh, and, I, and I just feel like it would cut through a lot of the noise and uh, the the thing is at the end of every week you have to trade with another team like you have to trade Ooh. either a goalie or a winger so you know I'm I like I said I've graduated beyond the pedestrian fantasy hockey game I'm now more interested in creative ways to come up with like fun exciting leagues like hey you know every week. Uh, you you have to trade like every week someone gets uh, McDavid like every, <laughs> every every week there it's like yep you had McDavid for a week it's like a timeshare so you basically timeshare the top players and then just see who was able to execute them properly throughout that week so but still it still comes down to you so you've so you figured it out you did the best draft you could you're you're in a league that you think you can run. But now you have to put the work in, folks. This that doesn't stop after the draft. Sign in, put on alerts, watch some flipping hockey, and set your damn roster. So, Absolutely. So those those are our tips, our 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 hacks, our life hacks, as BuzzFeed would put it, uh, for 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 hockey, fantasy, and um, follow them or don't. We'll just judge you harshly if you don't. Uh, and 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 please know that uh, at the end of the day, no one cares. <laughs> exactly. Um, All right. So thank you for listening to our fantasy hockey roundup for this year. Coming up next, we have an interview with Corey Snyder, who is not the goalie for the New Jersey Devils. We figured we found this to, out late, folks. We found that out yeah, late. It was Ten minutes before I mean, the call. It was. Yeah. <laughs> I had all of my. All of my Luongo questions ready to go, and just if yeah, I mean, out. I asked him three different versions of how much he misses Adam Larson, uh, but it, <laughs> it, it it didn't work out that way. Anyway, so uh, the interview with Corey Snyder is coming up next. Um, it's a good one. The only like the reason I wanted to preempt this is because during the interview there was some some background noise that I wasn't able to edit out. You should still be able to hear everything just fine, but I didn't want you to think that I was uh, falling asleep on the switch at my job as editor. So hope you enjoy it, and here's the interview. All 
All right, our guest for this episode is Corey Snyder. Right, so he used to run the Carolina Hurricanes blog, the shut uh, sorry shutdown line. Uh, he spent two years consulting for an NHL team. He currently runs the Energy Line site, um, which is where you can find his data collection project for the 2016-17 season, uh, which is tracking every NHL game. Uh, in the past, he tracked all zone entries and exits for the 13-14 season. Um, I've looked at that, and it's it's definitely some really interesting data there, um, and. On Twitter, you can find him at uh, at shutdownline. Well, and we'll say that again at the end. So, Corey, thanks a lot for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. I wanted to. I just wanted to ask kind of like a general question about um, you know the tracking projects that you've done. And so, like, what would you say have been like the big picture takeaways that you've learned from doing that? You know, maybe like cons- you know maybe things that you thought about hockey uh, either specifically or in general before you started tracking games, and you know. Maybe you you change your mind about something, or you you looked at looked at things differently. Well, the big thing for me after every project is that I feel like there's always something more I could have done, or there's always something more I could dive into. Because when I started tracking stuff, it was mostly scoring chances, and then uh, Eric Tulski, who now works for the Carolina Hurricanes, was doing stuff on zone entries. So I so I added that. And then, uh, and then the then Ryan Stimson's passing project came along, and uh, there's just a lot of stuff. Like there's just more and more stuff I could dive into. So really, with all this, uh, even with all the work that I'm doing, there's still a lot that we can dive into when it comes to uh, tracking games and breaking things down. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I am I, Corey. I, I gotta tell you, when it comes to these tracking projects, and I've, and I've watched a lot of them, uh, or, or, or or seen a lot of them. I mean. Sometimes, like, if you don't have the right tools to, like, dive into it, like, uh, obviously you start bleeding from your eyes and your ears and stuff. So, uh, like, in, in, in looking at these tracking projects and stuff, like, when I, uh, like, for, for how important, like, a zone entry is, I mean, does that, is the stuff you're doing what the teams are doing now, you think? Or do you think what you're doing is something they should be doing? Well, I feel like they're, I feel like, some teams are at least doing it. I know I've heard on broadcasts that teams are tracking zone entries for cert, like for a certain game. I don't know if they do it year. I don't know if they do it year round, but they might. For all I know, like it's tough to say because teams are teams keep everything behind closed doors. And uh, but I feel like I feel like every team is doing some work like this. It might be more sophisticated than the stuff I'm doing. It might not be for all I know. And there's a lot of there's a lot of data collection tracking companies out there too, like SportLogic, that uh, are doing a lot of the stuff for them that they can, can that they can consult with and whatnot. So, so I feel like I feel like everybody is doing something like this now. So in in, in covering the sport like this, and uh, Pete, this is hilarious because I don't think we've actually come up with a name for this question yet, but we should probably work on it. But I'll just come up for a name for this question. I'll call it the the. The JJ question, because uh, our one of our esteemed colleagues probably came up with, in my opinion, one of the greatest evergreen questions, especially when talking to hockey fans. So in covering the sport in this way, zone entries and, and all these tracking projects, like, how has that affected you as a fan? Like, do you, like, is it for better or for worse? Are you able to separate the, the you know, the analysis or, like, having – no, knowing what you know now, is it like you're Neo and you can like see the Matrix like glyphs falling and you're like, oh, I know what's gonna happen next. Uh, I mean, I 
I mean, I'm a Carolina Hurricanes fan, so I like to like if I'm watching one of their games, I'm not working on anything. I kind of like to turn my like analyst cap off and just watch it for fun. And uh, like the, the biggest thing for me with watching games from a fan is like I if I'm watching as a fan, I don't care as much about the process as the results. It might just be might just be me being jaded from being a Canes fan because their thing is that. <laughs> Their process has been really good, but the wins haven't been coming. So, like, it's kind of like I take wins as I get them <laughs> with them. But, uh, but like, I feel like I'm watch. I feel like I look for a lot more stuff now. Like I said earlier, there's stuff that I'm not that I don't catch when I track games because I'm looking for certain things. Like, I'm looking for zone entries. I'm looking for who's supporting the puck. I'm looking for, I'm looking for who's defending the zone entry, and I'm looking for. Uh, certain passes too, like stuff I don't stuff I don't really track that much is like is a lot of uh, systems and like coaching stuff, like what kind of like what kind of defense is the team set up when, what kind of forecheck is they're running. So if I'm watching a game that if I'm watching a game between two teams I don't really follow, like I'll try to pay attention to that just to uh, just to learn more, really. Yeah, I have. Uh, I was looking through the the questions that our readers sent in, and first off, let me just ask because I'm not 100 percent sure on this. Like, I know obviously you track the the zone entries. Do you do you track just even strength, or do you also track power play? I track power plays too. I don't I don't break them down as much. Although I just started, I just included that in my project too on on my Twitter account. I posted a I posted a graph of the uh, Blue Jackets zone entries on power plays just last week if you want to check that out. So all the data's there, just uh all the data's there. I just uh have to break it down into different categories is all. Okay, yeah, cuz um uh one of the readers had a question and you know, even though our podcast covers, you know, the whole league, a lot of our fans, you know, our, our listeners especially right now, you know, starting out are from the, you know, the Red Wings community. Um and so he had a question that <laughs> is a pretty common question from Red Wings fan and it's about the the drop pass power play entry um because the, uh, I don't know how many, you know, I don't know how how much you've been able to focus on the Red Wings the last few seasons, but the Red Wings are really good at doing this ineffectively like it seems like a lot of the times <laughs> it seems, <laughs> I am 100% sure they are doing this 0% right <laughs> and, so, and so anyways so this reader wanted to know you know is it is this something where like like maybe the problem is just execution like have you noticed you know what type of power play, power play entries are more effective yeah, the drop pass it works for some teams. I know the the Flyers definitely are a team that used to do it really well, and uh, it's uh, it's kind of been with mixed results recently because every team does it now, and other teams know what's coming and how to scout it. So they usually shadow the guy that they're doing the drop pass to in the neutral zone, and the play is basically over from that. But I understand it in theory because it's like you want to catch the defense standing still. And I feel like almost every team does it now. Some are just better than others. Like, uh, the Jackets were pretty good at it. Like, I just finished doing the Jackets season. And the Jackets were really good at it with uh, uh, Winberg and Wierenski doing the little drop pass to each other. And it kind of faded later on because teams just ca- teams knew how to counter it because they knew that Wierenski was going to drop the puck to uh, – to uh, Winberg in the neutral zone, and they just shadowed Winberg and picked the play off, and they're back where they started. So, like, I feel 
like I feel like a certain type isn't better than others. It just depends on what works then and how you adjust to it. So for for the drop pass thing, I mean, as as I've seen it work for other teams and other teams not, like, is it a is is it well executed when you have speed, or is it well executed when you have better puck possession? I mean, like, how like how does how easy is it to to set up, or or is it not easy? I mean, again, as the casual observer, you know, I'll, I'll be watching and then I'll see the wings try the drop pass thing, and I want to jump into traffic, but like I feel like. Sometimes when I see other teams do it, they've either got like, you know, they, they kind of try and catch the guys like all, like kind of flat-footed a little bit, or they just have guys who can just muscle their way in. I mean, you know, I, I've seen Novechkin just like carry in and just like barrel guys over. So like for the drop pass play specifically, do you think it's like like how, how does it benefit more? Like should we just tell the Red Wings to be faster? Should we <laughs> should we tell them to be more skillful with the puck? I mean what? In your esteemed opinion, what what makes sense? <laughs> well, like really, I think the biggest thing is like not having the drop pass itself take too long because that's where I see a lot of teams screw up. Like the pass, like the drop pass itself will just take so long that the defense can easily like counter it and just set up at the blue line. And uh, really, I think it's all about deception. Like when you're doing when you're doing it, because I'm pretty sure every team scouts it now. They know it's coming, so. Uh, like the best way to do it is just make the is just make the pass quickly and have a guy who can beat somebody at the line get into the zone to make it work. So that's that's the way I see it. Like uh, like going back to the jackets, like Winberg is a very good player at beating guys one on one when he gets the puck. So so it worked for them for a good portion of the season. I haven't done a Detroit game in a in a few weeks, so I'm not exactly sure what what like went exactly wrong for them. But I'll keep a uh, lookout for it. But what goes wrong for most teams is that the pass itself just takes too long, and that is just too obvious. So that's really yeah, what screws you up. Yeah, I think usually usually uh, Nicholas Cronwall seems to be involved in in these failed power play entries, um, which 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 is just a coincidence. I mean, it's not that you know. His legs are done. Um, anyway, so I wanted to I wanted to transition a little bit to Carolina. Uh, you know, Carolina some some Carolina specific questions. So uh, on our website at Wingin and Motown, we do uh, a bold predictions contest. And um, for the people listening, the first one is going up. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday. This this episode will air on Monday. So by the time this airs on Monday, I think all three of them will be up or almost up. So anyway, so uh you know basically we make these bold predictions and then the other writers make fun of us for for how dumb we are. So anyway, so one of mine is that Carolina would win at least one playoff series. So how dumb am I going to look at the end of the season? Hopefully the answer is not very dumb and very smart. I say it's uh I say it's about 50-50 at this point because it's like I they did a really good job in the off season and uh I feel like there's still more they can do, but at the same time it, at the same time, it's like you're, you, it's it's really tough competition in the Metro just to get in the first place because Pittsburgh's going to be there. Obviously, Washington had a really tough off season, but they're they're still a very good team. And uh, Columbus uh, Columbus is, was really good last season, and uh, they've now kind of added a new wrinkle to their lineup with Panarin there now. And uh, the rest of them, I feel like, well, the Rangers too. I think they're going to be. They're going to be as they always are, fighting for a playoff spot. So there's only so much, there's only so much, so many teams that can get in. So, 
Um, I feel like like I'm cautiously optimistic as a fan because I really like what they've done, but I also think like there's enough things that can go wrong that the season spirals out of control a little bit. But I'm I think they I think they have a decent chance of getting in. It just depends. Somebody's somebody in that top group has to fall out though is the thing. Like they need to have yeah, like a sure. bad season. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, the other teams are certainly capable of these, of these bad <laughs> seasons. We just wish it happened to the teams that everyone was like, "Oh yeah, the Rangers will be fine. Oh yeah, the Sharks will be good." Uh, no, like we need like at least one of these like well, like well thought of teams to just completely, just like trip right out of the gate, face first into like, like a trash can, and like they can't get themselves out. That's that would be nice. Um, yeah. So, uh, Corey, I, I'm a, um, I'm a bit of a Jersey holic. Um, I, I, I really love the rich design history of, uh, the, the, the National Hockey League. And I usually try and squeeze a, a question here or there because, um, when it comes to pride and displaying your colors and stuff, uh, you know, everybody's kind of got a favorite look to them. So, uh, what I wanted to ask was, is there a, because the Canes have kind of gone through a little bit of a, you know, a design phase here and there, and you know, with either the classic logo or with the with the flag. I mean, what are what are your thoughts? Which logo do you like best? Do you think you have a you know, how, how much pride do you take in your logo? Because what's what what stinks for me is that like at times I I, I actually prefer your the 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 cup winning. Uh, jersey over the the red flag thing, just because I feel like it looks a little too. Hey, this is my U.S. This is my EAHL online hockey team logo that I built from the generic available logos. So, um, what do you think? Or do you do you feel like you embody the Hurricanes well with your current setup, or do you think think something more could be done? Well, personally, I prefer the flag logo over the swirl, whatever the hell that thing is that is the primary <laughs> logo like i'm not a i'm not a huge fan of that at all and i've been kind of clamoring for them to switch to the flag logo as their primary just because i like it more and it's a lot more it's easier to tell what it actually is and it i don't know i just think it's a cleaner look like i love their i love their black uh alternate uniforms that they wore from i think they started wearing those like in 2008 eight. But those were my favorite jerseys, and uh, I thought that they had a bit of a redesign, and they had a bit of a redesign in 2013 where they got rid of the storm flags on their jerseys, and it was a bit more of a plain look, kind of, uh, uh, kind of like a Team Canada-ish jersey. And yeah. uh, I I thought those were, like, I get what they were going for, but I thought that the design was just boring on the home jersey. And they they changed it up with Adidas this year, and I I love the new jerseys they have now. Like I thought they did a great job with uh, at it, getting putting the storm flags back in. It's the jersey looks a lot more cleaner now. It's a lot more I don't know interesting and like just less boring than the uh, previous one. So I like I just wish they would switch the logo already, but I don't think it's ever, I don't think that's gonna happen. But I think they've done a really good job otherwise of. Uh, fixing the jerseys. Yeah, I, I, uh, just to kind of cap at the end of that, I remember it was, I think it was like two years ago, or like one of our first games was in Carolina, 
And I don't know if it was because of my 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 God-given colorblindness or or whether or not this is actually happening, but the, uh, you guys are wearing home whites, and uh, I don't know. I, I felt like you could easily take the, the the logos off of our respective home white jerseys, and they would almost almost look the same. I thought I was watching like the red and white game from uh, from from our training camp. So um, I I. I, I do like the rehash that you guys have done. I think you guys are moving in a more positive direction. And, um, you know, I, hey, at the end of the day, the, the, it's it's just a jersey. We all know this. But I feel like every team deserves to have a solid, non-screwy brand identity. And I'm glad that you guys can do better in that, in that department because – Again, all those jerseys from back when you guys won the cup. I mean, those were those. Everybody wore like triple XLs. Like yeah. those jerseys. Those were those were basically pirates in the Caribbean, raised the mist and mast size jerseys. So um, yeah, I think you guys are doing doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they yeah they've done a they've done a nice job of like kind of rebranding with Adidas and all that. Like I think they did like a better job than most teams. Like I, just, I saw Ottawa's uh, the other night. They're they're ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> um, God, like we can't we can't hide. We're already laughing. We just have to say it. They <laughs> they blew it. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Ottawa. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. When we talk to our Ottawa guy, we'll we'll hash it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. So um. Because uh, for a lot of uh, you know, for, for a lot of fantasy hockey leagues are drafting this weekend. I know I have I have both my drafts tonight and tomorrow night. Um, so on you know the the rest of our uh, episode, we're doing a segment on fantasy hockey. So here's a, a a quick Carolina question for that. So for people uh, you know looking for fantasy hockey drafts. Um, who 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 should be the first Carolina player that people target? You know, so who's like the first on the list uh, for Carolina that people should look at? Um, and then what are like who are like one or two late round sleeper picks? Well, the first guy to get is is Jeff Skinner. Like okay. uh, he had a he had a fantastic season last year, scoring thirty seven goals, and he's gonna get he's gonna get his goals this year. I don't know if he's gonna get thirty seven, but. He averages a lot of shots every year. He creates a lot of chances, and uh, he's going to get power play time. So the goals are going to come for him, obviously. So I think he should be at the top of everybody's list. As for uh, under-the-radar guys, uh, I don't know how under-the-radar this guy is, but uh, I think Tavo Taravainen is going to have a really good season. He, uh, like, he, I don't know, some people saw last year's a disappointment for him, but he had 40-some points, and... Uh, he also he also gets power play time regularly, and uh, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna average more shots this year just because of the line he's on. So I think he's gonna be a pretty good fantasy guy, and uh, I think this guy is on a lot of people's sleeper list. Sebastian Aho, uh, he had he had a twenty goal rookie season, and uh, I think he's gonna have a great season this year based on. Uh, I don't know, based on everything I've seen in training camp and all that. And uh, after that, it's uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys who I can go either way on because they have a lot of young guys that could potentially make the team this year that I'm not exactly sure about. But a lot of guys are probably going to hover in that. I think they're going to have a few players hover in that 40 to 50 point range. But like Justin Williams is going to get probably that around that. And 
and uh, Jordan Stahl usually gets around that too. And uh, Falk's a good fantasy guy every year. And uh, also Noah Hannafin, who mm. uh, he's also I think he's a potentially good, a good fantasy guy. He hasn't put that much that many points up in the past couple of years, even with power play time. But I think this year, if you want to take a flyer on like a late round defenseman or something like that, or maybe a waiver wire, I think he isn't a bad choice because he's on the first power play unit all the time, pretty much. So he'll get his opportunities. I will say, cool. Yeah, I was I was thinking about Hannafin. Yeah. Oh yeah, Hannafin and Aho, because I actually had a really good time playing with him on NHL's team in 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 the on the onlines. I think he was a he was a great third line threat. And uh, I really wish the game would let you up players and not forever be stuck at like a 73. So I'm, I'm glad I'm I'm glad you brought up Ajo. I, that, that's really great. So, this Corey, mm-hmm. you are you are guiding me to the promised land. I think this is this is good news. <laughs> yeah, well, Ajo is a guy who like he surprised everybody last year. He had like 23 goals as a 19 year old and. Uh, the Hurricanes have been begging for like another goal scorer to go with Jeff Skinner, and he could be that guy from the looks of it. What do you think is a is a reasonable expectation for Scott Darling this year? I would say I would say play at least sixty games. I feel like I might be asking too much. Maybe fifty five, sixty games. Like he needs to be the starter on this team if they're going to make the playoffs. And. Sure. Uh, uh, the the hope for me is at least a 920, 923 save percentage, basically above average. And uh, the thing with the Hurricanes is that they never give up a lot of shots, and uh, they need a goaltender who like is comfortable doing that. And he was that in Chicago uh, as a backup there. It's uh, uh, like they need at least for him to be a starter, start at least half the games, and post better than an, a league average save percentage. Because I think if they get that they're probably going to be in a decent position to make the playoffs. It's a little tough because this is the first time Darling has ever been a starter, I think, in his entire professional career. I don't know for sure, though. But uh, he's not used to playing this many games. But from what I've heard from everybody is that he he's like got all the potential to be a starter. He just needs that opportunity. So it's kind of a wait and see how it goes, but... There's a lot of confidence in him, and I think the team is going to do everything to help him like get through his like bad games and his ruts. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see you know him and then uh, somebody like Antti Ranta, you know, because both of those have been you know backups, but they've always been kind of like on that list of you know backups that have the potential to you know be be very good starters kind of like uh, like you got Grubauer in uh in Washington as well. So yeah, I'm really interested to see how Darling does. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I think he's going to have a good year. Um and obviously for, you know, for your sake, I hope I'm right about that. Yeah, a lot of hope is pining on him because goaltending's been a huge problem on this team for uh forever it seems like. But uh they they invested a lot in Darling. They brought his old goalie coach from the ECHL to come to the team. So it seems like they're going to do everything to help him out and uh, make him comfortable. So I was glad to see that. He played really well in his last game yesterday against Washington. Only had to see 18 shots, but he made all the saves he needed to, and that's really a, that's really all you can ask for. I know people probably strangely leave me for this, but I have to say this. Uh, Corey, I am 
questionably in love with Jeff Skinner. Ever since ever since he'd made his debut, I have lost my mind about Jeff Skinner. It's probably my best kept secret, which is now out in the open now, and I feel exposed. But you know what? There's more liberating than admitting your your feelings to someone. So I Skinner. I want ten Jeff Skinners in my team, and uh, I will certainly be following. Uh, your uh, your your account and and such to uh, to keep an eye on him because uh, he's he's my special boy and I need I need you to look after him for me so just, please please know that yeah yeah he's probably he's probably my favorite player in the league to watch right now just because he is so good at creating offense like on his own really. Like he's great at stealing the puck from uh, from defenders and just creating shots out of it. He's great at collecting his own rebound and just going just going to work from there. And it's been really great to see him be great and stay healthy the past couple seasons because he's had so many concussion problems. But he's been healthy and just outstanding uh, past couple of years. Two thirty goal seasons in a row now, which is pretty outstanding. Yeah, as, and as you said with Aho, I mean, if Aho takes some of the attention off of him, I mean, he'll be able to. Have breathe a little bit more too so you know i i think it's nice to kind of maybe bring a little bit more of an aggro from like M- mmorpgs to hockey now we're just hey just have a guy just take all of the aggro from everybody and then that leaves four other guys on the ice to just go nuts so so i think yeah. i think Skinner will do a fine job <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what they're hoping because uh they don't really have that that star player or whatever you want to call it they have a lot of guys who they have a lot of guys now who could potentially like score score like twenty goals and be a threat on every line and take advantage of good matchups. So it's a it's a nice way to roll things out when you don't have like a Crosby or a McDavid on your team. So it's so it's a nice way to kind of balance that until like you get lucky. But but as of right now, I think they're I think they're set up pretty well to be a lot of be a problem in the Metro Division. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna be really interested to see how Carolina does uh, this year because you know they're you know the last few years it seems like they've been you know this team where it's like you know is this gonna be the year they kind of kind of put it all together and 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 have a breakthrough year um, and I mean this seems to be the most promising you know year for that to happen. So like I said before, I mean I'm definitely I'm definitely rooting for that for your sake. I think it would be interesting to have. Um, you know, just from a hockey fan perspective, it'll be it'll be nice to have a you know like a a, a team with some you know young talent, uh, you know, playing exciting hockey. Um, so, like I said, I, I really hope that uh, I hope that they do well. But unfortunately, we got we got to wrap this up. Just like every time we do these interviews, like I kind of feel like this could go on for another hour or so. But, um, <laughs> nobody's gonna listen to a to a three hour podcast. But um, so well, not with that attitude. Uh, so, Jeez, come uh, on, let's let's well, pump up. We're all hockey fans here. We can we can shoot the bees or the, the yeah. or the puck as much as anybody. So, <laughs> yeah. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so um, so our, our guest this time has been uh, Corey Snyder. Again, you can follow him on uh, on Twitter at shutdownline. It's it's spelled exactly how you how you would think. And I forgot to say this before, but he's also uh, a contributor this year to the uh, Five for Howling uh, website, which is the Arizona Coyotes SB Nation uh, site. So that's another another team that's looking to take a big step forward with a lot of um, a lot of young talent on it. So Corey, thanks so much for stopping by. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. And remember, folks, take a cue from Corey Raptors as your Twitter profile. 
photo. Raptors. Raptors, preferably at hockey games. Do it. It's the best, it's the best, it's the best Twitter account photo I've seen since we've done these. Take, take the hint. Just do it. Clever girls. That's all you need. All right, so our last segment for today, we are going to be talking about the upcoming NHL season. We are going to be making predictions for the divisions, predictions for which teams are going to make the playoffs and miss the playoffs. And, of course, you can tell us in our comments and on our Twitter which predictions are horribly wrong and which ones are terribly right. And, of course, there's going to be a lot more of the second than the former. But, you know, even, even uh, you know, given how perfect we are at making predictions, every now and then, you know, some team decides not to follow the prognostication that you have laid out for them. All right, so let's take a look. Let's start out west. All right, so let's take a look at the Western Conference. Let's start in the Pacific Division. All right, so Jay, so what do you think for the Pacific, Pacific Division? What do you think your order is? Which teams do you think make the playoffs? Um, well, I think I think everyone is in <laughs> pretty much stone cold agreement that some uh, some little team outside of Alberta is gonna make a make a run for the old for the old number one spot out in the Pacific. That's right, of course. I'm talking about. Uh, Edmonton, psycho, you Flames fans. I think uh, I think Edmonton is going to take uh, their division, and uh, I think uh, for the most part it's going to be. Uh, uh, I think it's going to be close, but you know I, I think Edmonton made the right moves to 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 stay competitive. But I think I think the the last uh, I think the last season was I don't know I, something about watching the Oilers last year in the playoffs was like this. How do I put this? It's like, it's the most, it's the most comfortable I felt with a team that I know is going to lose out because they're going to take so much from it and then build on it next year, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's going to be Edmonton. Um, I think the ducks are going to be out there. I think San Jose is going to, going to, going to get in there as well. So that leaves us with, with Calgary, LA, Arizona, and Vancouver. So out of those four, I think I think Calgary's still gonna still gonna get out there. So you know, I, it's pretty much you know it, last year uh, it was uh, Anaheim Oilers Sharks and then uh, Flames. Uh, I'm thinking that's still gonna be the 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 layout for this year, only with Edmonton and Anaheim trading places. Um, I really like Johnny Gaudreau, so I'd like to think that they finish ahead of San Jose. But you know, obviously the season will tell. So that's that's sure. my thought. Yours. All right. So. I'm going Edmonton, Anaheim, as well as the top two teams. I'm then going San Jose and my surprise team from the Pacific. I am going to make a bold prediction here, and I am going to bet that Arizona is going to have a huge breakout year. I'm going to predict them for the fourth spot. I think they're going to make the wild card on the last week of the season. (laughs) It's hard to say that because I love Calgary so much. I love their offense. I love their defense. But I don't know, something about these Arizona Coyotes. And, like, looking at this, I mean, last year they had a 63 negative goal differential. But 
I don't know. I, I realized this could completely blow up in my face, right? So the safe prediction here is Calgary, but I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to take Arizona here. I think they're going to make a big, big jump this year. I'm sure at the end of the year, I am going to be sent this audio clip repeatedly until I am sick of receiving <laughs> audio clips. So I'm going to say that I'm going to say Vancouver finishes last with Los Angeles next and then Calgary just out of the playoffs. All right, so now we have the Western, right? So here's the big question, Jay, right? Chicago, Chicago, do they make the playoffs this year? Last year they they made, they made the playoffs and they scored, I think, a grand total of, what is it, three goals in the first round before being eliminated. So what do you think? Uh, what do you think is going on in, in the Western? Do you, or, I'm sorry, what do you think is going on in the Central? Do you think Chicago makes it? Uh, who else do you think is in? Who do you think is out? What do you got? I think Chicago will make it, but I don't think they're going to make it as the number one. I think I think we're gonna I think we're gonna see a a, a two steps back Chicago team that is going to be competitive and it's going to make the playoffs. But uh, folks, I think uh, I think we all know that uh, the Nashville Predators are uh, a little. What, what's the word? Oh yeah, hungry. Yes, after going to the Stanley Cup final, I mean, we all know that there's a bit of a cup hangover regardless of whether or not you win or lose, but uh, for a team that went to its first final and is still largely set up pretty darn well, um, yeah, I think it's, I think, I think Nashville's going to finish number one there. I think, uh, I think Minnesota is going to finish second. Uh, I think the Hawks are going to finish third. And my surprise pick is the Jets. I think, I think because the, if, if anything that we've learned since uh, November of last year, we are now living in the anything can happen timeline. <laughs> Literally anything, yeah. anything that you don't want or don't think could happen now has like plus one thousand percent odds of happening. Yeah. So I think I think Winnipeg is going to luck themselves into a uh, a really strong season. Um, I, I I get the feeling that they're gonna make a trade. I get the feeling that they I'm, like again, I don't know I don't know what evidence I can base this on. I'm just looking at their roster and I'm looking at it's just like wouldn't it be cool if they just pulled off like a really awesome trade to get I don't know, Matt Duchesne. <laughs> oh. And then and then, uh, and then all of a sudden we're uh, we're talking about having some playoff games up in Manitoba, so um, there's uh, I think there's a lot uh, there's I think there's a lot of uh, what ifness with Winnipeg, and I think it's exciting. Um, I I I maybe I'm maybe not giving Dallas enough credit here, but uh, you know I I I don't think they really improved too much. Hmm. So I, I mean I really want Winnipeg to be surprise pick but for some reason there's something in my gut that's telling me that uh that, that they're that the dallas could do something funny so um yeah those, those are that's my central what about you um before i get to mine i mean i'm i'm already thinking of like a classic elton john parody song that we can have which would be maddie and the jets um if if they do oh, trade for oh, Maddie, Maddie, Maddie and the jets. Maddie. <laughs> okay. 
All right, now that nobody's listening anymore, uh, I am going to go for – all right, so I am going to – I don't think this is a bold prediction at all. I'm going to predict Chicago does not make the playoffs this year. Whoa! I think I'm I'm pretty strong in that opinion. I'm going to go with Minnesota wins the division. Nashville is second. I think it's going to be close. So Minnesota, Nashville, St. Louis – and, oh, see, this is so hard because then we have Winnipeg and Dallas. And my heart says Winnipeg because I love Winnipeg. And you know what? <laughs> I'm going to go with my heart here because Dallas seems to do this every single year. <sighs> yeah, I'm going to go with Winnipeg. I'm going to go with Winnipeg. Winnipeg's going to do it. They're going to make it. They're going to get at least league average goaltending. They're going to have line A scoring a ridiculous number of goals. He's going to be contending for the Rocket Richard Trophy this year. If you don't believe me, go on and lot and and I'm sorry. If you don't believe me, go on and watch some Line A uh, footage on YouTube and marvel at how little time the puck stays on his stick before a one timer. It's absolutely ridiculous. He is one of the best pure shooters that I've seen in a very long time. So yes, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Minnesota first, I'm gonna go Nashville, I'm gonna go St. Louis, then Winnipeg, then Dallas, then Chicago, then Colorado. And Colorado is going to be way behind. Colorado is still going to suck this year. Um, all right, so now we are on to the Atlantic. All right, so the the big question here is, are we going to have an even split? Are we going to have four teams from each division? Or are we going to have, you know, many people would say maybe five teams from the Metro? Like the Metro seems to be... It, you know, pretty close to widely regarded as the best division in hockey, at least last year. So what do you think? What, what do you got for your Atlantic here? Um, I'm going to lean towards that thought process. I think, uh, I think, uh, at least for the, for the Atlantic here, um, it's a bit of an enigma for me though, on where everybody like could fall. I mean, geez, I, I mean, sure. Like, okay. Montreal, Okay, Ottawa. Okay, Boston. Okay, Toronto. I mean, I think Toronto is uh, unfortunately trending upwards. <laughs> so uh, I think that uh, we're going to be seeing uh, the, the Maple Leafs up there. I think I think Boston's going to squeak in. I think Ottawa's. Um, I don't think Ottawa's going to make it for some reason. There's just something telling me that's not going to happen. So I think uh, I think I think I, I'm going to make a bold. I'm making my bold prediction here. Toronto's going to finish number one in the Atlantic, uh, followed shortly by uh, Boston, and then uh, and then Montreal is going to drop down to third. And I think that's the only people that are going to make it out of the Atlantic because, um, as you said, Pete, the uh, the Metro is uh, doing doing some <laughs> doing some things. Um, so yeah, that's my yeah. I'm I'm only picking three. So there there I said it. Yeah, I am. I am in agreement. I am going to go with Toronto winning the division. Then after Toronto, I think Ottawa drops out because Ottawa is basically Eric Carlson and a bunch of other players. Like, I'm not saying that Ottawa doesn't have other talent on their team, but Eric Carlson is pretty much the reason they made the playoffs last year. It's the reason they did so well last year. So I'm going to go with Ottawa dropping out. 
I think Tampa Bay goes back in. Obviously, the huge caveat there is does Steven Stamkos stay healthy? I think with a healthy Stamkos, with a Kucherov, Palat, Hedman, uh, I think Vasilevsky is going to have a breakout this year, breakout year this year. And so I'm going to go Toronto, Tampa Bay, and then I'm going to go Boston. I'm going to have Montreal miss the playoffs. Ooh. I'm going to then go Montreal. I'm going to go Ottawa. I'm going to go Buffalo, Florida. And then I'm going to have, unfortunately, Detroit as last in the Atlantic. It gives me no great pleasure to do that, but I think I have to. All right, so moving on to the Metropolitan. We both have to have five teams come out of this. So what do you got? Well, um, Gosh, uh, I don't think Washington or Pittsburgh are going to be uh, top two again. So I think I think Columbus. I'm calling it. I think Columbus is going to finish first in the Metro. Um, wow, there we go. Bold prediction. <laughs> Boldest prediction. I think. I mean, I, I just it's just I believe me. I, I take no pleasure in it as well. But for some reason, I just don't think. I think Pittsburgh's going to be worn the f out. I think Washington is going to has just continued to just trend maybe downwards more than, than I thought. I mean, I, I don't know. They finished with 118 points, so we are due for a drop-off. My thinking is it's going to be a massive drop-off. So a massive drop-off. It's okay. a massive drop-off. Like, they'll still make it, but that's not like, hey, like President's Trophy stuff. But okay. you, never, you never know. I mean, they could have uh, – Washington could have already found a way to clone Ovechkin again. They could just debut him in the next yeah. couple of weeks here. But we won't know until Tuesday because that's when final rosters are submitted. So um, I think Columbus finishes number one. I think then that's followed by the Rangers. Um, Pittsburgh and Washington shortly follow. And, um, folks, I think it's time to get really excited about the Sebastian Ajo, Jeff Skinner. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, I wish I had gone first. <laughs> is, yeah, I think I think Carolina's gonna uh, uh, do um, do the do the near impossible and uh, grace the the NHL playoffs with their with their presence this year. So that's that's how I'm picking it. What about you, Pete? All right, let's see. I'm gonna go from the bottom up, and I am gonna have New Jersey on the bottom. Although I will say that they're going to be better than last year, but they are in a really tough division. I'm going to go New Jersey on the bottom. Then after that, that's really tough. All right, so New Jersey on the bottom. Then I'm going to go Philadelphia. Then I'm going to go Rangers. Ooh. For the first wild card team, I am going to say the New York Islanders because I think – this is it. This is their make-it-or-break-it year. They got Eberle. Um, they're bringing in Matthew Barzal, uh, who I think is going to do a really good job in his rookie year this year. Um, they have some really good young defensemen. They lost, they lost Hamannick, but I think they're going to they're gonna have a pretty good defensive core with some young guys in there. Um, so the Islanders are going to be my fifth pick. Then I'm going to have – this is fun. I'm going to have Columbus. I'm going to have Columbus – then I'm going to have Carolina, and I'm going to go – I'm going to flip it. I'm going to put Washington second and Pittsburgh first. Okay. Now, I just realized doing this that I don't know if that could actually happen with, like, the wild card scenario. Yeah. Um, but I think it could, right? I think it could, right, because they're all in the same division, so sure. Yeah, so I'm going to go starting from the top down, Pittsburgh, Washington. Then Carolina is going to make a huge jump this year. 
So I got two huge jumps, so hopefully one of them comes out right. So Pittsburgh, Washington, Carolina. Then I'm going to go with Columbus, then the Islanders, and then Rangers, Philly, and New Jersey. Yeah. So I guess we'll have to see if we're right. Yeah, yeah, well, again... We're we're infallible, so we are right now. Plus, granted, I could just delete this episode. <laughs> it never happened. Yeah, the internet remembers a bunch of stuff, but assuredly, it wouldn't remember this gross, negligent appraisal of the league. <laughs> awesome. uh, well, I mean, then again, that's 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 your that's your predictions, folks. So so pay attention. We'll be checking in on them as as the months and and games go by. Um, well, this has been a really transcendent episode for us. Uh, you know, probably uh, there's a lot of excitement, but there's also a lot of controversy, and then there's a lot of heavy heartedness. So um, we, we we thank you for listening. Uh, be sure to follow us on uh, the internets and and the twitters. That's uh, at two hundred foot pod. That's t a T, you know the at sign two zero zero F T P O D. Follow Pete at P Flynn Hockey, and uh, my uh, Twitter handle, as always, is the Roar underscore twenty four uh, for the For Sure podcast. Is a, a wonderful place to uh, talk all things NHL. So uh, we usually close these things out with the Doc Emmerich uh, verb, but. Um, that uh, just does not seem appropriate. So uh, for 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 myself and and for Pete, we're gonna we're gonna leave you with the sounds of Dave Strader, the voice. Dave was just one goal in his last nine games coming into this one here this afternoon, but he's one of those players that can contribute even when he's not scoring. And the Red Wings almost turned it over right in front of their own net. But back the other way, Datsu. He splits the defense. He gets into the back and he scores. Pavel Datsu dangles from the blue line in and gives Detroit. A 4-3 lead. Around the board, Konstantinov holds it in. Back to the front of the net, intercepted by Kravchuk. And Igor Kravchuk to the red line. Does the right thing and puts it deep and Batisov back together. The team trying to get fresh legs out there. Center ice, it deflects off by Gretzky. Taken by Iserman. Tucks behind Cicerelli. Tries to punch it! For sure. 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 For sure.